Coming up on Shop Talk. And what's interesting is that small businesses sort of feel like, oh, I'm too small. Nobody's going to hit me. I'm just right. a small business. And yeah. that's untrue. These types of cybersecurity breaches for a small business can decimate a small business. Mm-hmm. So we really do urge the small business community to think about cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego. And I'm Jacob Gogan. And this is the March 2023 edition of Shop Talk with Moneris. Welcome to the Shop Talk podcast, Jacob. Thanks, Al. It's great to be here. Well, Jacob, it is Fraud Prevention Month. That's right. And you're a manager of fraud detection and investigation at Moneris. That I am. Fraud detection and investigate. Do you ever just refer to yourself as the FDI? No, not ever. You could wear T-shirts with like FDI and big, bold letters and wear sunglasses and say cool things like just the facts, ma'am. I think you watched a little too much Drake Net growing up, Al. Ooh, or you can say stuff like the truth is out there. As much as I'm a fan, this isn't the X-Files. <laughs> okay, well, what do you investigate? Payment fraud. Well, do you at least get a badge? No, not yet, at least. We investigate, then we... Arrest the bad guys? Well, try to recover losses, report fraudulent activity to the proper authorities, and implement measures to mitigate future losses. Right. Well, I guess that's important work, too. It is. We need to make sure our merchants are as protected as possible from these fraudsters. All kidding aside, the work your team does is very important. It certainly is. And it's always becoming more complex. I can imagine. So... What do you have lined up for this month? Well, first, our feature interview will be with Aviva Klein. She's a VP of Digital Payments and Cyber and Intelligence at MasterCard. Oh, she'll have some great insights. Indeed. And then we're going to get you to share some fraud-related data in the Behind the Numbers segment. I've got lots of interesting data for that. I'm sure. And then finally, we'll have your boss, the Director of Portfolio and Process Risk Management at Moneris, Maria Cameron, as our Ask the Expert to provide some tips on how you can keep your online business secure from fraudsters. She certainly is an expert. Great lineup. Thanks. So let's begin with my chat with Aviva. Featured interview. I'm joined by Aviva Klein. She's a VP of Digital Payments and Cyber and Intelligence at MasterCard. Aviva, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Al, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a Fraud Awareness Month, and MasterCard is about to publish a research white paper on the state of fraud. That's right. You know, we decided to conduct a study across North America because we know that the cybersecurity risks uh, continue to evolve, Mm -hmm. um, as does the vulnerability to fraud. And we really wanted to take a step back and understand, you know, what is the impact of cybersecurity on businesses today across North America? And obviously for us as Canadians, with a particular focus on Canadian businesses. And what we found was actually quite interesting. We found that cybercrime has increased by 600% due to the pandemic. And that while new technologies improve our lives, Mm -hmm. they also do elicit a certain amount of uncertainty, both uh, in terms of the businesses that use those technologies, as well as consumers that are forced to interface with those technologies. And, you know, we're really at a, it's a fine balance, right? Because as consumers, we want everything fast and frictionless. But on the flip side of that, business leaders who want to meet consumers need for fast and frictionless experiences also really need to balance security with that convenience. There's always a fine balance between convenience and security, right? I mean, everyone wants things now and and when they want them and are willing sometimes to trade off on security. Now, 600%, that's a big increase. Can that all be attributed to businesses going more online because of the pandemic? As we look at sort of how we digitize our day-to-day lives, Mm -hmm. and if we take the pandemic into play there, it's not just about 
online commerce anymore. There's a lot of digital transactions. They don't have to be payment transactions. They can be account open, account servicing, you know, even things like changing your address if you've moved online, like all of those types of activities are now being done in a self-service way. And fraudsters are really, really good at manipulating environments Mm -hmm. to eke out financial gain. Right. Now, part of this uh, white paper, you, you mentioned ransom attacks. Can we talk about that for a little bit? What are ransom attacks? Ransom attacks are when a bad actor mm-hmm. will hold a system hostage and ask for a ransom mm-hmm. in return. That's crazy. It's like stuff movies are made of. But uh, I feel like I'm, I've been hearing more and more news about these attacks uh, more recently. Yes, they are definitely on the rise. Mm-hmm. We've seen a number of large Canadian companies be affected by ransomware lately. And, you know, really what we want to make sure that all businesses understand is that it's really not a matter of if they're going to get breached, um, it's really a matter of when they're going to get breached. Because if you think about cyber breaches, Mm -hmm. they're largely perpetuated for financial gain. So it's much more efficient for a criminal to hack a business than to hack an individual. If you do not have good cybersecurity posture, Mm -hmm. you're going to be hard pressed to keep customer information, employee information, secure. And when fraudsters get that information, they use that information to perpetuate fraud. Mm -hmm. Typically, this information is taken by cybersecurity hacks. That's how it's harvested by a cybersecurity attack and is pulled together by, you know, taking all different sources and used collectively to create, you know, a synthetic ID or fraudulent payment transactions that are being put on the network unbeknownst to the cardholder. You use a term that I've never heard before, cybersecurity posture. Explain that a bit. It's basically your cybersecurity hygiene. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, in the study, what we learned was that 92% of business leaders do have some sort of digital security solution implemented at their business. And so that can be things like two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, regular patching of software. It can be all sorts of different tools, processes, operating procedures that really do help the business maintain their cybersecurity posture. So 92% is is great. Mm -hmm. But what also we found that was quite interesting is that while 92% of uh, business leaders have some form of digital security solution in place, only about 39% of business leaders have ongoing vulnerability assessment tools implemented at their business. And even less actually look at the risk that their third parties could have on their customers. You know, I don't know if your listeners remember this, but, you know, there was a very large breach many years ago on a large U.S. retailer that came in through their HVAC supplier. Mm -hmm. Um, So there wasn't somebody like physically crawling through, you know, the HVAC (laughs) system. Not like in the movie. (laughs) Not like in the movies, but, you know, there was a vulnerability at this HVAC system, uh, our company, and uh, they were able to penetrate this large retailer's network and were able to get their hands on a whole series of credentials. So really understanding kind of what your cybersecurity hygiene or posture looks like, Mm -hmm. not just one time, but continuously looking at it and making sure that your employees are understanding of when to click on links, when to not click on links, password updating, software patching, those types of things are super important. But also you're really only as strong as your weakest link. And so if you have digital interconnectivity with 
third parties and they have poor cybersecurity posture, you're just as vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So there are large organizations and small and medium organizations who do take a very active stance on understanding what that posture looks like, both for themselves as well as the network of companies that they interact with on a day-to-day basis. So I think the important lesson there is cybersecurity isn't an end game. It's an ongoing process. You're always having to update. It's an ongoing process. And Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, when people talk about cybersecurity, people get, I think, nervous because it sounds really complicated. And I'm sure, you know, there's parts of it that are very complicated, but there are very easy activities that business owners and individuals should undertake to really protect themselves against cybersecurity. If you were to give one easy to remember tip to help keep your information secure online, what would that be? I'll go to passwords. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a big one. In the report, we found that not very many people change their password frequently um, unless they're prompted to do so, or Mm -hmm. they've been told like, this is possibly a hacked username and password. You should change it. I think the number is like 44% of people we surveyed use the same password across all the different sites that they use. So just something as simple as changing your password frequently, having Mm -hmm. strong passwords, that's something that's very, very easy to do. The other thing, that's very, very easy to do is two-factor authentication. So again, right, this is where we talk about sort of that inflection point between usability and a frictionless experience and security. They can be at odds with one another. Sure. I mean, some of the newer uh, authentication processes involve, you know, biometrics and stuff like that. And I got to say, I mean, it's never been easier to log into my bank using my thumbprint as opposed to having to remember that password that I'm having to change every few months. So the trade-off is there, but um, it's definitely getting a little bit easier. It is definitely getting easier, but I will say that there are still people out there who are concerned Mm -hmm. about biometrics and using biometrics and what can an organization do with the biometric markers of their customers. Right. So there is that fear out there, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that mm-hmm. it is a very slick experience to be able to biometrically authenticate yourself and you know, really is fighting password fatigue. It's hard to keep track right. of all your passwords yeah. uh, across all the different sites and change them. And you know, there are very strong password manager mm-hmm. uh, software out there that I would highly recommend people to look at. It acts as a plugin like right into your website. So you don't have to remember, you know, the 49 character special value password that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's going to change with every website that you go into. Yeah. So for your listeners out there, you know, a password manager is a great investment. I think also, you know, not clicking on things that you don't recognize. Sure. That's a biggie, mm-hmm. particularly in a corporate setting. And we would urge businesses of all kind to test their employees and showcase to their employees what phishing looks like, what spear phishing. Spear phishing? phishing. Is that that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that absolutely is a thing, spear phishing. So what spear phishing is, so phishing is just sort of a generalized, Mm. uh, non-descriptive phishing attempt. Right. Whereas spear phishing is when it's extremely customized to you. And they know your name and they know something about you. And of course, potentially much, much more dangerous than a, than a regular phishing or smishing attempt. The risk is real. Right. And what's interesting is that small businesses sort of feel like, oh, I'm too small. Nobody's going to hit me. I'm just a small business. And that's untrue. There are hundreds of thousands of small businesses who are being hit. These types of cybersecurity breaches for a small business can decimate a small business. Mm -hmm. So we really do urge the small business community to think about cybersecurity 
MasterCard has partnered with the CFIB. We've partnered with Digital Main Street to help raise the collective awareness and understanding of cybersecurity and the threats that it poses to small businesses. And so we are really keen to engage with small business on this conversation and make sure that Canadian small businesses are well protected against this threat that is ever evolving. So this white paper is coming out this month for Fraud Awareness Month. If somebody's interested in reading this paper, where would they go to find it? You can go to mastercard.ca and check out our newsroom and there will be a link to the paper. Okay. Thank you so much, Aviva, for your time today. Thank you so much, Al. Have a nice evening. At Moneris, we empower merchants to keep doing business their way while we handle the payment processing our way. What way would that be? The safe way, the always connected way, the awesome integrated tools to help you make more money way. We know your business never stops, so you deserve products that never stop working. That's why we're committed to providing our merchants with a payment partner that works just as hard as they do to make every sale. Moneris, proud partner of small Canadian business. By the numbers. All right, Jacob, uh, you've got some fraud data for us. What are we going to talk about today? Well, Al, I've taken a look at data from 2021 to mm-hmm. 2022 and noticed some changes in trending overall, as well as I've done some digging into the sorts of fraud that have been quite prevalent throughout 2022 mm-hmm. and where merchants are being affected and targeted the most. Now, I mean, coming out of the pandemic, uh, the lockdowns and the pandemic, conventional wisdom is as businesses got pushed online, we saw a lot more e-commerce fraud. Does that check out in the data? Yeah, I definitely would say so. Mm -hmm. And taking a look at instance from last year, I'd uh, wager at least 50% of them were some variation of card not present fraud. A fair amount of it would have been for e-commerce. But then you have your brick and mortar stores as well, where Mm -hmm. they're keying transactions into their terminals and they might be getting calls over the phone or emails in from prospective customers looking to buy product as well. And unfortunately, it turns out to be fraudulent in the end. Let's look at the comparison then between 2021 and 2022. Uh, What kind of numbers do we have there? Yeah, great question, Al. When we compare 2021 to 2022, Mm -hmm. we had 400 unique incidents that came our way into fraud management. Mm -hmm. And comparison of 2022, we had 514 incidents last year. So that definitely is a bit of a change, Mm -hmm. over 20% increase. What we also saw was the gross total fraud that merchants were potentially exposed to across all those incidents. In 2021, it was 7.5 million, Mm -hmm. and that went up to 10.3 in 2022. Yeah, so a big difference. Yeah, definitely a material difference, I would say. When we're talking about types of fraud, you're looking at payment fraud, obviously, but there's even subcategories under that. Yep, that's correct. So, for example, I'm looking at uh, this chart here that you sent me and card not present fraud is, you know, the highest at 192 incidents. So what does all that mean? So what this means is, and... This has been par for the course really for a long time too. When merchants manually key transactions, unfortunately, they're liable to potential fraud chargebacks. They can be disputed up to X amount of days later. And fraudsters like to take advantage of that. And so that's a main sort of fraud that merchants are exposed to. Mm -hmm. And there's very different variations on it. The main one is that someone approaches a merchant and calls them over the phone and says, 
hey, I can't come in right now, but uh, I need to order X amount of goods. I'll send someone around to pick them up. And so someone comes around to pick up the goods. And unfortunately, down the line, the merchant receives fraud chargebacks. Right. So that's a very main sort of one. Uh, so just a couple more things here. Card not present fraud, 254 incidences and an average gross fraud per incidence of 23,000. So that's how much loss there was on average? How much exposure there was on average. Oh, I Fortunately, see. there are times where mm-hmm. we're able to leverage our resources mm-hmm. and affect some sort of recovery for the merchant. Right. And it's very rewarding when we can do that. However, that's to say that on average, and this this is the result of some outliers as well, mm-hmm. but um, on average, it can be within this sort of range when a merchant is targeted, for sure. All right, great. Uh, thank you so much, Jacob. If uh, people want to learn more about uh, fraud and fraud prevention, where could they go? I would recommend for people to go to our Moneris.com support page, mm-hmm. where we have many different guides about how to prevent and how to detect potential payment and credit card fraud incidents and attempts. Uh, The second thing I would recommend is for fraud knowledge in general, you can always go to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center website. Uh, You can just put this into Google and it'll be the first thing that comes up. Mm And there's lots of really great stats about how fraud is affecting Canadian businesses and Canadian individuals. And there's also a helpline for victims if they have any questions about next steps. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Jacob, for your time today. Thank you, Al. Ask an expert joined by Maria Cameron. She's the Director of Portfolio and Process Risk Management at Moneris. Maria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Maria, we just had uh, Jacob on from your team and he shared with us some pretty, uh, you know, dire numbers when it comes to how much business lose to fraud every year in Canada. You're here as our expert to talk about how businesses can protect themselves from being targets of fraud. Correct. As Canadians are shopping more and more online, more than ever before, Mm -hmm. There's things that businesses can do to protect themselves from fraud. So I can give you some key considerations and some steps and measures they can do to manage their risk. So the first one would be incorporate address verification or 3D secure. Mm -hmm. So unauthorized users may not know the billing address associated with the credit card that they've stolen. Making uh, address verification services mandatory on their checkout or 3D uh, verification will allow you to compare the billing address and postal code used in the transaction with the information on file with the credit card issuer. This is a widely used fraud prevention tactic that e-merchants can rely on to safely verify the validity of their orders. Yeah, I've, I've seen this happen. Like when I've ordered a T-shirt online, for example, and I enter my own address and then it shows me, would you like to use the verified address, which makes me feel better that I'm not sending a new T-shirt to my neighbor. Correct. <laughs> they also can try address autocomplete hmm. to avoid human uh, data entry errors as customers sometimes will legitimately um, place an, an order and maybe write their address right. incorrectly. Yeah. They also may fail to complete their whole address information, like forgetting to include their suite number. Right. So catching errors like this may require manual review of orders. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can use Canada Post's address complete tool, which is a good way to validate addresses. Or they can usually use a free website, which is Canada 411, mm-hmm. uh, where local people can um, verify business addresses. Oh, cool. 
There's also a tool which is CVV at checkout. This is uh, conducting the security code check. Uh, this helps prevent fraudulent transactions again mm -hmm. by verifying the three or four digit number on the back of the customer's credit card. They can confirm that the owner of the card is the one making the purchase. And lastly, they can use Monero's count. This is a security application for increased protection. This is a software and technology tool available to help our e-commerce merchants protect their businesses from risky transactions and fraud. This actual application and tool can be used in the context of any e-commerce platform and can help them automatically detect high-risk orders, authenticate customers, and block and redirect fraudsters based on geolocation. And right now, Monero's count is 30% off. Oh, that's perfect. Great timing to have a promotion like that. Yes, it is. And it's a great tool. Mm -hmm. Now, if our listeners wanted to learn more about that promotion or any other uh, fraud tools, where would they look? For any information, they can go to Moneris.com and all the fraud tools and contact information is readily available. Excellent. Thank you so much, Maria. You're very welcome. Save the day. I'm joined by Amanda Ibrahim. She's a senior events and sponsorship specialist at Moneris. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Al. Thanks for having me. So we're looking at the March calendar of events. Uh, what do you have for us? On March 2nd, Marta, the Moneris VP of products, will join MasterCard on a panel for Express to Impress, powered by MasterCard at DX3. Excellent. And if our listeners want to find out more about this one, where can they go? To find out more uh, about this event, they can visit dx3canada.com. Okay. And what else do you have? On March 7th uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, Moneris is hosting a fireside chat to honor this International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. Join the conversation with four trailblazing women leaders from the Moneris sales team. Oh, excellent. Anything else? On March 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we have our semi-annual Canadian Consumer Behavior Webinar. Mm -hmm. Join data expert Sean McCormick as he shares the 2023 consumer spending results. That's great. So if anyone wants to register for either one of those two webinars, uh, where can they go? You can find the registration links in the description of this podcast if you're interested in registering for either of those events. Uh, thank you so much, Amanda, for your time today. Thanks for having me, Al. That's all we have for this month. I hope you found this episode informative. If you haven't already, check out Manirsa's other award-winning podcast, Yes, We Are Open. In that podcast, I traveled the country telling the stories of small Canadian businesses, their origins, struggles, and future outlook. If you like motivational stories of perseverance and triumph over adversity, you'll love Yes, We Are Open. Here's a little taste. I have a question for you. What do the following businesses have in common? A cannabis store? An athletic wear brand? Dog biscuits? A tech startup? A travel agency? Hairdressers? A kid's dentist? And a manufacturer of silent booths? course, the answer is they all have stories of struggle and perseverance to tell. And you can listen to them now on season three of the Yes, We Are Open podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast. And yes, we are open wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support this show, share this podcast with your network or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And finally, if you have a payment related question you'd like to submit to one of our experts, you can email us at podcast at Join us again next month for more expert insight and data to help you grow your business. Thank you so much for co-hosting, Jacob. You're welcome. This was really fun. On behalf of Jacob, myself, and the rest of Moneris, thank you for listening to Shop Talk. Talk again in April.